Hey everybody, I'm Phil, and it's another Twitter-sode of It's Del Toro Time. For those of you who aren't in the know, the Twitter-sodes are short episodes where I take a look at a movie that is on Guillermo del Toro's Twitter recommendations list, but didn't make the official Ecstasy of Influence list. Again, I'm doing a few of these episodes while we're waiting for Ollie to settle into high school as a senior and get ready for the college adventure that lays ahead of them. We'll be back with main body episodes in a couple of weeks maybe next week maybe the week after next uh, but until then you've got me doing these short twitter sodes this week 1947's film prison crime noir uh brute force directed by jules dassin and importantly produced by mark hellinger now this movie is incredible if you've never seen brute force i highly recommend going out Picking up the Criterion Edition DVD, it is an amazing DVD, or blue, I don't even know if it is available on Blu-ray, I think it might be, let me just check my notes, nope, only DVD, thanks Criterion Edition, go out and pick it up though, it's an incredible transfer, an incredible looking film, it's an experience, uh, Del Toro himself described it as dated in its, uh, in its like morality, in its uh, messaging, but I'm going to be honest with you guys, I really enjoyed this movie. It shocked and surprised me in ways that I am still dealing with even today. There was stuff on that screen that I was not expecting from a movie in 1947, and a lot of that has to do with Mark Hellinger. Mark Hellinger was a writer originally in the in the Damon Runyon, O. Henry mode of storytelling. A lot of uh, very character-driven pieces that had a strong moral center. About A lot of them dealt with crime and criminals, but they had a lot of heart and a lot of soul, and they really humanize the characters and he came to Hollywood uh, first of all as a writer as a story as a as a not as a screenwriter but as a, like a story person and then he took over as a producer and this guy uh, if you don't know Mark Hellinger by name you definitely know Mark Hellinger by his works I mean this is the guy who did uh, he did Hell's Kitchen in 1939 he did the killers in 1946 the Naked City he did brute force this guy became known for his film noir as did the director Jules Dassin uh, Jules Dassin went on on to direct Naked, The Naked City in 1948. He went on to direct Night in the City in uh, 1950, 1955, Rafifi, uh, uh, 1964, uh, Top Copy. Like, uh, this is a guy who, who knew crime, who knew heists, who knew noir. Uh, and one thing about this movie that just kept getting uh, repeated over and over again, and all the stuff I read and all the stuff I listened to and watched, was this is... <laughs> This movie is the epitome, in many people's opinions, many writers' opinion, of noir. Not only in its style, but in its philosophy, in its politics, uh, in its outlook on life. And I think that, that has a lot to say about what we think of when we think of film noir. Now, I am, of course, no film expert. I am no film historian. Uh, but from what I pick up, you know, just the, 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 the brief rundown is that noir isn't just a series of tropes. It isn't just a series of camera angles and lighting effects. And I think today, noir gets picked up as kind of the tough guy genre. It's a genre about uh, uh, rock hard guys and, 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 and shifty dames and, uh, you know, sneaky thieves with a lot of mood lighting. But, uh, really noir, uh, according to the noir experts, uh, 
uh, has at its core is a strong sense of humanism and a strong sense of futility of existence. It's a very existential uh, style of storytelling and art. And the baseline that, uh, that got, gets reiterated over and over is that no matter how futile life is, you've still got to move forward because uh, your life is not determined by how well you succeed. It is determined by how much you just keep going. And if there is any movie that is about not succeeding but going on anyway it is brute force the title might be a little off-putting and you have to get into the movie before you realize what brute force is talking about uh essentially it is about a prisoner named joe collins in a in a in a prison westgate prison uh joe collins is played by the amazing burt lancaster uh it is about him and the chief of security uh captain muncie played by the intensely and surprisingly terrifying young baby-faced Hume Cronin, who plays the psychopathic chief of security, uh, he pulls off this role with a plum. I could not believe how amazing Hume Cronin was in this role. But it's not just about the two of them. Uh, this is a huge cast with a uh, with with well-defined characters. Uh, even as as much as they might slot into stereotypes, they are they are shot and written just just beautifully so the, the long and short of it is, is there is a cell of about six guys they each have their own backstory uh Burt Lancaster has been in the hole for a while he was framed by a stool pigeon uh that he had a shiv on him but he insisted he didn't have the shiv so he spent all this time in the in the hole and it really just really affected him he was put in there by Hume Cronin's character who just loves torturing the inmates mostly psychologically that's what's the worst about all of this and he devises a plan it's 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 not a long movie but there's a lot of plot going on uh over the course of the movie a plan is evolved uh, to get out of this prison and that involves a tunnel that is being dug for pipes for for uh, some kind of sewage we don't you don't really know the idea is that prisoners have to go work on this tunnel digging this tunnel that is never going to be used for anything prisoners die in it all the time because it is a horribly horribly disease-filled swampy place to work uh, in fact a, uh, a prisoner is taken out dead from the from the prison at the very beginning you see this prisoner die and and the prisoners all mourn him but uh he, he devises a plan to make use of a handcart uh to while they're all working down in this in this tunnel to get out of the prison there's crosses and double crosses all throughout the story uh at the end of it you some you come to realize they all come to realize that no one is going to succeed in this prison break plan but no, no one is going to get out alive they've been they've been sold out by uh, by an informant but they decide to go ahead and do it anyway because they're really they're not going to get out of this prison at all anyway. Like, no one gets out of this prison unless they leave in a, in, a, in, a, in a hearse. And so they go ahead and they try to put the plan into action. And, of course, it fails. And everyone dies. Like, just pretty much everyone dies. But saying that, I don't, I'm not really giving away the movie because it's not really about that. It's about watching these human beings struggle to remain human amidst these incredibly terrible conditions. What's funny about it is that the prison, as it's portrayed... Uh, one of the one of the uh, special features on the on the Criterion edition is an interview with Paul Mason, who's an expert in prison films, and he says that uh, Brute Force stands out as a prison film because it's not like most prison films. Most prison films take for granted the fact that prison is a thing that exists in society, which which is weird to hear, but he says. 
uh, no prison films don't ever question the need for a prison. They question how well a prison is run or how just a prison is. But there's no uh, there's no question put forward as to why we even have prisons in the first place. And Brute Force is one of the few movies, uh, one of the only prison films that really makes a case for prison is just a bad idea. It's not. It's not a good idea. It can never work. It can never rehabilitate people in an appropriate way. It can never uh, create a place where the incarcerated want to remain incarcerated. The incarcerated will always want to escape. And it breeds brutality and it breeds sadism. And uh, the, the interview with Paul Mason on the Criterion uh, DVD is just incredible. But also the brute force of the movie is the brutality of the prison itself. The prisoners are all there for various reasons. And we get to see in flashback all the reasons most of them ended up in prison. And that's that was a concession made uh, that I believe the producer Mark Hellinger insisted upon that Jules Dassin didn't want to do, but uh, that he was, it, he, they, they forced his hand. They wanted to get some pretty women, basically, in the movie. And what Jules Dassin ended up doing, and the screenwriter uh, ended up doing, the screenwriter was also uh, the amazing uh, Richard Brooks, who wrote, many any number of movies uh, had many number of movies under his belt uh what he managed to do is make these five minute noir films that were that serve as the flashbacks and as is pointed out on the commentary track for this movie is what you end up seeing is this movie is what happens after the the screen fades out on most noir films you're watching noir essentially stock characters uh, what happens to them after after they they pay the piper at the end of their films? Uh, it also allowed them to cast some wonderful uh, actors uh, in the role of the of the girlfriend, various girlfriends and wives, including Yvonne DiCarlo, who is just incredible. You may know her better, uh, our younger listeners, as Lily Munster from the old. By younger listener, if you're in your fifties or or younger, uh, you would know her as uh, Lily Munster from the Munsters. But Yvonne DiCarlo uh, features in one of the flashbacks, and she. Is just incredible. Uh, Anne Blythe is in this. Ella Raines is in this. Anita Colby, just amazing noir actors, uh, just playing their, playing it to the hilt. A lot of heart, a lot of energy, and uh, Burt Lancaster is just. He is at his tops. He is. They, it, it's 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 mentioned throughout the 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 uh, Criterion Editions commentary track that you can really tell that Burt Lancaster understands how to play silent film, and also that he was an acrobat. Burt Lancaster was an acrobat before he became an actor, and he uses his body in amazing ways to sell his character uh, without speaking a word. He has a lot of lines, but he is he is selling this character as something other than just a tough guy. He is a hurt tough guy. He is a he is a man who's been beaten down by society. There are there's a stool pigeon in the beginning of this movie who gets killed. The production code almost didn't let this movie go through because a man gets killed in like a in an industrial press. Uh, you don't see it, but it happens right off screen. Uh, there's a lot of violence and a lot of what. Uh, the violence that was allowed to move, go, move through this movie was uh, they, they attributed that to Mark Hellinger, the producer, who was a wheeler and dealer. Like, and he uh, he worked. He knew criminals. He knew life. He knew this life just from the way he lived, the way he grew up, the, uh, where he worked on the East Coast. And he knew how to talk to producers. He knew how to get what he wanted out of the production code. And so there's a lot of violence in this movie, uh, including a scene where uh, – where uh, the prison journalist, there's a guy who like, basically writes the prison newspaper, and he's been uh, giving uh, information to all the other prisoners about this upcoming heist, is tortured by Hume Cronin. He is beaten. He's, he is handcuffed to a chair and beaten uh, to death, basically, by Hume Cronin with a, with a pipe. 
and you don't see the beating. It happens just off screen. Uh, you don't even hear it. Uh, they, it cu the camera pans away, and you don't hear anything, but then it pans back, and he's beaten black and blue. Just a brutal film, just a horrific movie, uh, but it's done so well, so cleverly. The, the, the framing, the staging, the, the lighting, the camera, the, the score to this movie is outstanding. The music is by Miklos uh, Rosa. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Just fantastic the cinematography by william daniels uh this movie just I won't, i'm not gonna lie and say it looks like it could have been filmed yesterday but it, it it is crystal clear no one is ever framed in a way that is unnecessary uh, there's not a lazy moment in this movie it's a bit overwritten as is pointed out richard brooks really liked his dialogue scenes and uh, that it, that never hampers it because jules dassin knows how to block a dialogue scene so that Every camera angle, every movement of the characters, the way they approach each other, the way they move away from each other, informs their relationship. So you're not only getting information, you're watching characters be built by the way they interact. And that's the genius of Jules Dassin's direction. And it just shows that this man knows how to work a, a, a film. He knows how to make a film look like a, a precision machine. And, I mean, the art on, 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 on display here is amazing, but just the heart and the passion and the care. You end up caring for all these characters by the end. Even the, even the, even the double-crosser at the end is, you feel bad for him almost. He pleads for his life, the way he begs for his life. It's just... This is an overwhelming film. Uh, and again, if you get the Criterion edition, you get this amazing audio commentary by uh, noir experts Alan Silver and James Ursini, who, if you look them up, they've written about a thousand books on the history of film noir, and they will fill you in on everything you're missing when you're watching this movie. Like every every subtle camera move, every every twitch of an eye, every turn of a head, they will they are there to point it out to you just how amazingly well-made this movie is. Uh, again, you get the interview with Paul Mason, the, uh, the prison film expert you get this a great book uh that comes with it one of the little criterion criterion booklets uh by film critic michael atkinson that gives like a profile on mark hellinger hellinger died uh, just like a year or two after this uh for health reasons but the, another big thing the thing i really wanted to point out before we finish up here is that almost like three quarters of the people involved in the making of this movie ended up being blacklisted, including the director. Many of the actors ended up being blacklisted. Uh, film noir, uh, when it's done, the philosophical film noir, the philosophy behind it is extremely, extremely, extremely left-wing, uh, extremely anti-fascist, extremely pro-person, pro-worker, uh, pro-human. And that is one of the reasons that the, uh, that the uh, House and American Activities Committee came down so hard on these on these artists uh, a lot of the people from here were were from the uh, the early group theater and various other theater companies uh, that sort of came up from this like sort of like uh, socialist communist uh, left wing movement uh, to sort of unite the workers and uh, bring you know the humanity to the arts and they were just right in the crosshairs of 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 HUAC it was just they were just decimated by the House and American Activities Committee. A lot of the performers and actors in this ended up having to uh, go overseas if they wanted to even get work, including Jules Dassin, who rebuilt his career uh, in Europe after this because these guys were, were taken to the mat. Uh, this movie, if you watch it as a film noir, as a prison film, it works beautifully. It really works once you realize that what you are watching is an anti-fascist film, once you realize that the that uh, Hume Cronin's character is a more or less Nazi uh, uh, military 
character stand-in and that these characters this is almost a concentration camp movie there's a reason the prisoners are not portrayed as bad guys in this and the reason you feel so much for them is because this movie isn't selling itself as a prison movie it's an anti-fascist movie everything that the prison does uh from the from the ineffectual warden who really means well but he has no power and is taken over by uh the 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 security of the prison which is essentially the military uh down to the uh to the the corporate overlords of the prison who force out the warden um to the to the populist uprising at the end that fails but also the way that you ultimately see that the, the corrupt power will be overthrown at the end uh even if it is uh because of the deaths of the entire pop almost all the population and this the recurrent theme the the just relentless cycle of of the rise to power of fascists is is heartrending and heartbreaking and amazing and it's not subtle at all uh Guillermo toro's tweet about this from december 2015 uh, christmas of 2015 was filmed brute force by jules dassin raw for its time bit preachy now with a powerful final set piece that remains undiminished and believe you me the final set piece of this movie is amazing and I, I i'm going to go out on a limb right here and disagree with mr del toro i don't think it's preachy i think it i think tonally it works it fits you know what you're getting into as soon as you see it, it's a it's a prison noir film so it's not subtle but uh there's a lot of subtlety in this movie there's below the preachiness is is subtle acting and beautiful emotion i can't recommend this movie enough go buy the criterion edition of brute force or check it out from the library rent it however you want to get your hands on it watch it listen to the commentary track you get a great film noir education it really just informed i just i learned so much watching this movie i cannot recommend it enough brute force 1947. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this. Thank you so much for putting up with us while Ollie's been taking a short break. Uh, thank you for listening to these little Twitter sodes. Up next, 1947's Nightmare Alley by Edmund Goulding, starring Tyrone Power and Joan Blondell. I am looking forward to this one a lot. Uh, these crime movies are something that I am not familiar with at all, so I'm getting quite the film education here. I hope you are too. I hope you're pursuing these movies as I'm talking about them. I hope this is giving you a little something to add to your must-watch film list. It's just great. It's just great. So thank you all for listening, and uh, hopefully Ollie will be back soon, and we will talk to you when it's Del Toro time. <laughs> <laughs>